welcome to the Betches Sup Podcast. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Sammy Fishbein. And for those of you who are just tuning in, the Betches Sup Podcast is your weekly rundown of all the crazy shit that's happened in the news, explained by your two funniest friends, which, which is, is us. us. We read the news so you don't have to. We have a full suite of taglines today. <laughs> yeah, we. You know what? It happened. It felt right. We did all the tags. Yes. I've, I've missed being on this podcast. I, I know. You had a very busy week last week. I though. did, but I did listen to it. First thing when it came out, well, first thing Friday morning, mm-hmm. not Thursday afternoon. And we had a bonus episode. There Which, are many episodes. Guys, the bonus episode from this past Sunday with a bet with... Um, Flannery Winchester of Citizens Climate Lobby. Yes, that was a great episode. I loved how it was just like a quick... Less than 20 minutes and it was very positive. It wasn't just like, oh, we're fucked. We're fucked. Like we know we're fucked. But she actually kind of gave me a little bit of hope that there are solutions. It's just a matter of getting the right people in place who will actually implement them. Yes. And like she told us about a bill that's actually a bipartisan bill that Right. Would, no one knows yeah. about the bill. <laughs> I was like, what? I didn't realize there were solutions. Wow. I only know about the problems. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, yeah. And we have another really fun bonus episode that's going to come out this week uh, with comedian Joanna Hausman. She's on Bill Nye Saves the World. She has a really funny YouTube series called Joanna Rants. And she talks about the situation in Venezuela. And it is crazy. She has a wildlife story. You you guys, when you listen to it, you're going to What out. was it? Her dad Her is actually. Uncle okay. is a he's in jail for being a journalist basically in Venezuela now and a lot of like her dad is fully not allowed to return to Venezuela like actually exiled and she gives a really good rundown of like the entire situation there and like I know I've heard a lot of politicians be like look like you don't want to turn into Venezuela blah 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 and she explains like what that actually means that is very exciting so tune in on this coming Sunday for that episode Mm -hmm. and just one more order of business before we get started I don't know if you guys are signed up for the Betches Sup email but it is an incredible email and give it a chance and but more importantly because I have a feeling that all the people who are signed up who are listening to this are already signed Mm -hmm. up Tell your friends about it. Yes. Post it on your Instagram story. Yes. And we even have started a referral program so that you can win free prizes if you refer your friends. Yes. So the way to do that is to go to referral.betches.com, sign up, get a unique link, and then send that link to your friends so that they can sign up. You will automatically be like accepted as long as your friend's email is real and you're not signing up like fake Russian bots. Mm-hmm. Um, then we will send you the prizes. The yeah. prizes are stickers, pop sockets, notebooks, All um, things. plastic portable wine cups, yeah. which is like amazing. Honestly, Get, if you don't if you don't need the prizes for yourself, get them and then give them to people for Christmas. Like, yeah. what, like whatever. Just give them to people as gifts. You can just yeah. have them. I mean, I use the, the makeup pouch that is yeah. one of the giveaways. I use that as my makeup pouch now. Wow. So you guys, you got to get on it. Do and it. if you are and if you're just looking to sign up for the email, not the referral program, you can go to Betches.co slash sup sign up. Yep. And one more thing. Our icons tea is still on sale. Mm-hmm. It's already sold out twice. It may just sell out again. So go to Betches.co slash icons and check out the tea. Yeah. Yeah. It's really comfortable. It's a really great tea. Yes. Everybody I wear it like it. everywhere. Everyone loves it. Yeah. Okay. Sammy, what has been getting you through this week? In Trump's America. Okay, the president is going whack on Twitter. Oh, like, wow. It's, it's, oh, it's, I love it. I love it so much. He's <laughs> really, it's really been really a lot. Right, right. Which just shows an insight into his mental state as usual. My, um, my favorite tweet in a while happened this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, he was trying to basically, um, convince his 
you know audience of bots that he is not a criminal Mm -hmm. and that he had nothing to do with russia so he tweeted the following oh i get it i am a very good developer happily living my life when i see our country going in the wrong direction to put it mildly against all odds i decide to run for president and continue my business very legal and very cool (laughs) talked about it on the campaign trail (laughs) and then the next tweet is like and robert Mueller is like after me it's a witch hunt um but this very legal and very cool. I love very legal and very cool. I saw people describe this tweet as one uh, one person described it as the beginning of like the the like white version of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air rap, so which funny. I started thinking of. And then another person pointed out that this is exactly how Michael Scott describes hitting Meredith with his car. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Oh, I was just doing my job and making everything better for everyone, and then I hit someone with my car, and it's fine." <laughs> okay, I saw one other comment that was like the best part of this is where he says happily living my life because it like implies that he's ever been happy when no. like he clearly hasn't it also shows that like he's not happy now like no. he was happily living his life now he is not yeah i mean it's it's also just i i mean this is like he this is what he wants people to think of him clearly and yes. like look that's how they want he wants to be perceived but it's very not true um very very, very. true I, it's so funny when he comes out with these like weird catchphrases yes. like they're perfect for sure it's like very stable genius yes very legal and very cool i was thinking very legal and very cool is the new very stable genius if i were starting a law school that would be our like tagline very legal <laughs> like and very harvard cool. e pluribus unum very legal and very, very cool, cool. <laughs> yeah man he had some today he's uh because there was roger stone yeah like getting off scot free yeah with scot free is like uppercase it looks like a person's name and there was one where he was like implying that like michael cohen's money is his father-in-law's money and i just was like that's something you would point out because your money is not your money yeah like, like only you would like say that. Yeah, and your kids' money isn't their money. I like it's crazy. It's all the money from the people that you like bilked in your building. But his Twitter, like, it's fully just become a weather balloon for like his what's about to happen. Like yeah. he's been going crazy on the Mueller inve- he'd been going crazy on the Mueller investigation for like a week up to us finding out that Michael Cohen was like cooperating even more and that like Manafort's plea was done and yeah. stuff. So like Something I thought was yeah. so funny in the last week's episode was when you said that Manafort and Michael Cohen are synced up. Yeah. I was <laughs> yeah. like, I was actually, I was in the hotel gym at Cornell and I was actually like laughing aloud and some <laughs> woman like turned around from the elliptical. I'm like, sorry. Yeah, so it's just like a funny idea. <laughs> yeah. They've synced up their crime twins. It was really funny. Okay, Elise, what's getting you through the week? Okay, this is like a scandal that I'm obsessed with. I don't know if you've heard of this guy, John Allen Chow. Who's I saw tweets okay. referencing it, but I didn't like get what was happening. Okay, so this has like been an ongoing thing that has caused like controversy in the evangelical missionary community. And you know that I there's nothing I love more than a controversy in the evangelical missionary community. So basically, this dude, John Allen Chow, was a 26-year-old Christian missionary, and he got it into his head. He became obsessed with this super remote tribe on this island called uh, Sentinel off the coast of India. And there's this tribe there called the North Sentinelese. And they have had... 
basically zero contact with the outside world ever. They're like considered by like choice. Yes. They're like a pre they're basically considered a prehistoric tribe. Like they live based on like the, the tools and stuff that they have are like stone age era tools. That's and really cool. It's really cool. And they're protected by it is illegal to fuck with them under Indian law because they actually have not built up immunities to outside illnesses or anything like that. They are like com- completely isolated tribe that has not like developed like they, they don't have like modern technology like they basically are living like humans would have lived so they're not on instagram they are not on instagram decidedly not they like popped back up into the news because uh at at one point some helicopters were like flying over the island and they threw spears at the helicopter because they were like what the hell is that so this guy john allen chow becomes obsessed with the north sentinelese and he decides that like it's his calling to how go. does he even like know them he reads like an article about them so there was one group that made contact with them a long time ago briefly okay. but that's like the last time and that was like in the 70s or something like but it was brief so chow like basically i read this whole profile of him that like talks about his whole obsession with them like he hears about them once when he's young and then he kind of develops this obsession with this idea of like going to Sentinel and teaching them about Jesus. Oh God. Uh, he's, he's like, I'm going to go there. So he create, he does this whole crazy reconnaissance mission. He goes to India. He, he does one trip where he just goes to as close as you can get and kind of like cases the place and tries to figure out like, okay, how am I going to get past all the guards? How am I going to get to Sentinel? Isn't it an island? Yes. Off so of, how did he get to the island? So he like develops a plan with some people who are living in like the close by town to like pretend that he's fishing and then sneak on to the island. So he does this. He finally at one point he's also writing a diary the whole time, which the one thing I'm unclear of is how we have the diary now, but Maybe he left it. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly what happened, but we have like a lot of his writings going up to what happened. So at one point he, so he arrives at the Island. He approaches the Sentinelese from the water and yells, my name is John. I love you. And Jesus loves you. They don't know what the fuck he's talking about. So they throw they don't speak English. I no, assume. they don't speak English. They don't know what he's talking about. So they throw an arrow at him. <laughs> and it pierces his Bible. And he's like, His Bible? Yes, it pierces I you the were Bible. say his heart? No, it pierces the Bible. And he sees this as a sign not to stop, but to continue going. So then he continues to try to yell at Je- about Jesus at people who have no idea what he's talking about. And guess what? They shot him with a bow and arrow. Now he is dead. Didn't he ever read or watch Pocahontas? The, I mean, it's crazy so now basically he violated indian law by even going over there he also exposed them potentially to he almost he could have exposed them to diseases that would have killed all of them and wiped out their entire tribe by going over there anything in the name of jesus so that he could present them with a book they can't read and yell at them about a person they've never heard of so (laughs) so then it's become this whole thing because then the the christian there was a large group of people who wanted to get his body back but now to get his body back, then we would have to send more people into Northern Sentinel to like potentially expose this tribe to harmful risks. So I think now at this point they've decided they're not going to try and get his body back. Also, like, how would you even communicate with them? How? Yeah. How would you even tell? I don't even know. It's like how I don't know what the plan is to communicate. Does anyone study them? Like, what is the, their, what's the plan? The, their, like the plan is the plan that everyone agreed on is to leave, leave them, them alone. alone. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> like that was the plan. 
Oh my god, they're so lucky they get to be like left alone, but they will suffer from climate change like the rest yeah. of us. So and it'll be maybe they're not. To them, but right. and they'll be like, why the fuck is this happening? This island feels a little smaller than it did yeah, yesterday. Yeah, like something is going on. So basically, now it's created this issue. Like now, like the evangelical com- community is torn with people who are like. Yeah, obviously that was never going to work. He definitely shouldn't have done that. And then, but then it came out that he had actually received training from an American evangelical missions group called All Nations. And they, one of, a member of this group was like, John Chow was not foolhardy. All Nations believes John was prepared to contact the North Sentinelese, which is like, how? How do you know? How? How could he have contacted them? They don't speak the language that he was like, how could he have taught them about the Bible? It's right. like when the conquistadors would show up to like, like Indian Anywhere. civilizations and be like, okay, in Spanish, they would be like, okay, now you have to believe in Jesus or we get to kill you. And everyone's like, what, what? are you talking about? <laughs> I've, I've never seen anything like you in my life. And then they would be like, well, you guys agreed to love Jesus. So now we get to take over. Like, that's literally it. And that is a crazy story. The story, I'm just obsessed with the whole story. I it's like it. It's caused this whole international incident, and it's just because he's, like... He's an asshole. He's an asshole. Yeah. Like, why Like, he's he- just selfish. Like, why don't you just not? Yeah. Like, why don't you just leave the people alone who are going to be left alone? Why don't you missionize someone who's, like, actually, like, you can talk to? Yeah, he just became obsessed because he was like, this is the one tribe that really hasn't been reached by, What did like, they the think that this would do? Like, unlock the Messiah? Like, what's the goal? I don't... I mean, there's just... The plan makes no sense. And if you read this profile of him, which I read, it shows that he just basically developed like an unhealthy obsession with this tribe and created an insane plan that anyone who knew anything was like, you will, they're going to kill you with a bow and arrow. And then within 24 hours, they killed him with a bow and arrow. Right. Okay. So it's not like he wasn't warned. No. All right. Well, let's get into the main news. (laughs) Yeah. That's just something I'm obsessed with that I think is interesting. I feel like you, you, John Allen Chow is your North Sentinel. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I am obsessed with John Allen Chow the way that he was obsessed with the North Sentinel. Exactly. Uh, so, so let's get into the main story. Obviously, over the weekend, former President George H.W. Bush passed away at his home in Houston at the age of 94. He was the 41st president and the father of the 43rd president. And I didn't even so I don't know that much. I didn't know that much about George H.W. Bush. Uh-huh. Um but I didn't realize this, but he was a decorated Navy pilot who was shot down in World War II. He was a two-term congressman. He was the UN ambassador. He was the chairman of the Republican National Convention. He was an on- he was envoy to China, like one of the first ones. He was CIA director. Then he was Reagan's vice president. Then he was president. Then he was the father of the president. Yeah, I mean, I think something that we're, that, I mean, you see this kind of in the debate between people who are like, you know, kind of glorifying him versus those who were like, why are we forgetting all the bad things he did? I think the difference is that like, he really did have an honorable career. It's just that we may not have agreed with the way he handled certain things. And that's fine. I mean, because you're obviously not going to agree with every politician and president that, and everything that they've ever done. Yeah. But he was like a true public servant. It does feel like, I mean, the one thing everyone keeps talking about is like he represents this like old school of values and like whether you agree with like the civility thing or not, what is true is he definitely represents a time where like a long history in politics was a helpful thing to getting elected. Right. I mean, I think regarding the civility debate, it's like, yeah, I really want to say 
negative th- I want to call out the bad things he mm-hmm. did but at the same time like civi- like the lack of civility is how he got to this the very legal and very cool yeah you know <laughs> yeah, so exactly. it's like it's like yeah like you, at least civility can get you somewhere into a real yes. conversation yeah and it's and there's like merit for being honest you know? I don't know and maybe it makes me you know not a not a hard-edged liberal or whatever but like I don't, I'm not like, I'm not going to dunk on somebody the day that they die. Same. Like, that's just not my MO. And I get it. And that's not to say that we'll get into like some of George Bush's legacy stuff in a second. I like, I did a little like breakdown, but I'm not going to dunk on somebody the day that they died unless they were like a full monster. Right. Which I just, I don't think he was a full monster. Also like that picture of his dog in front of his casket, like really kills me. Yeah. Are we going to dunk on the dog now? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like I find myself almost in tears when I look at it because it's yeah. like the dog is master. Yeah, it's like, like really sad. Um, so okay, let's go over a little yes. bit of his his, his uh, legacy. Yeah. So here are some good things. Uh, so he helped to navigate the end of the Cold War. Obviously, Soviet Union ended under Reagan, but Bush was helped that it could have gone badly yeah things could have gotten gone really bad and he's kind of known for having this like global understanding and for bringing together coalitions of people to work on complex problems and believe it or not that proved useful in several different instances um he signed the americans with disabilities act that's great Yeah. yeah that's that's very good yeah. Um, he wrote Bill Clinton a really nice letter. Uh, so <laughs> I've seen a lot about this letter. Yes. So basically, H.W. Bush was president from 1989 to 1993. He lost his election bid to Bill Clinton. That was a three-way race with Bill Clinton, H.W. Bush, and Ross Perot. Fun fact, my dad voted for Ross Perot. <laughs> a true Fun independent fact, my mom always told me she's like i would throw things at the tv when george hw bush <laughs> would talk and then and then she like would feel that way about w bush and now she's like just completely yeah. off her your rocker mom's, with your Trump. mom's periodically throwing things at the tv i guess yeah. <laughs> yeah. she's like, he makes me so mad every couple of years your mom's throwing things at the tv yes but under obama she's just like hey, whatever. Yeah. she was like yeah. the tv we, we gotta buy a nice new tv because yeah. it's like not in danger yeah <laughs> um so and he lost like really bad like yeah. it was pretty because of the because he said like read my lips no new, new taxes. taxes and then he introduced the taxes. taxes and then he was like he came off as like really out of touch and certain there's like a really classic debate moment yeah, I mean, where he's mad rich. yeah where like a person tries to ask him how the national debt has affected him and he gets like really pissed off and he's like well are you trying to say that because i'm rich the national debt hasn't affected me yes. and then bill clinton is like the national debt has affected me personally. <laughs> and what's your name, Sharon? You beautiful Sharon. Like he just yeah. like goes like full. <laughs> Bill that was great. <laughs> um, Bill Clinton's a ticking time bomb. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, just the Me Too police are on his yeah. doorstep every yeah. single step of the way. So okay. So he wrote this letter that now is being held up as like this marker of a bygone era where he basically is like, you know, being the president changed me. Like when I walked into this room, it changed who I was as a person. When, once you receive this letter, you're going to be our president and I will be rooting for you. Like, and Cause your success yeah, is our success. Exactly. There's no way Trump is writing that letter. Like maybe Ivanka will write it in like yes. 25 extra words that need to be per sentence. Yes, exactly. Someone will write something, but it's definitely not. Or I mean, he's not leaving, so no one will have to write anything. That's, that's also true is I don't think he's willingly abdicating his throne, but it's, yeah. it's just so funny to me that like 
literally just talking about like you don't have to say trump's name just talking about george w george hw bush being like a being civil in any way is considered like they're like wow what a damning critique of donald trump like if you just mention right. someone being nice it's like wow you're really coming for trump yeah. like, at least included that in the email which you guys should sign up for betches.co yep. slash sub sign up yeah i mean i would say trump is handling this death the best of all the, of deaths. All the deaths he offered to give air force one to fly the casket he is like acknowledging it as a day of mourning and he hasn't said anything shady on twitter yeah he hasn't said anything fucked up and he could because george hw bush said some things against him yes and um okay but so let's go into some of the things from his legacy that people have been pointing to that were not so great uh he was really slow to act on aids he actually died on world aids day which is just a strange coincidence so he was Reagan's VP, Reagan famously refused to acknowledge the epidemic at all. And then that sort of continued for a long time under H.W. Bush. He would like acknowledge it, but not put together enough funding. And obviously, like the Lots AIDS epidemic, many, many people died. Um, and he also has a quote where they asked him about AIDS and he was like, it's one of the only diseases where your behavior matters, which was basically him being like, well, maybe don't be That's gay. That's not true if you're born with, with AIDS. AIDS. Yeah. Also, okay. it's I mean, it's not. Yeah. So, um. Then, uh, oh, he ran this ad called the Willie Horton ad, which is considered one of the most racist, like, dog ads whistle ever. ads ever. I'm it's, sure it's, like, less... Is it more racist than what we're hearing now? It's similar in tone to... It's pretty intense, if okay. you see it. It's basically, like... The, the, the premise is that his opponent, Michael Dukakis, had allowed like day releases for violent criminals. And this guy, Willie Horton, used his day release to like rape and kill someone. And then he was like, Dukakis let him out of jail. And it's like a very racially charged ad if you look at it. Okay. So that's bad. And that's considered like a part of the legacy of negative campaign ads. It was like, that was like a hallmark. Like, I've heard of it, but I don't like know the content. Yeah. It's really famous because it's like, it was one of the first times someone went like that hard in that direction. Right. Um, He vetoed the 1990 human rights bill, which is, like I feel like why the, I don't know yeah okay. some whatever um, he promoted the war on drugs and he's also seen as having like stoked the evangelical involvement in the Republican Party like Ronald Reagan brought them in in a big way and then George H.W. Bush was like yeah we're gonna go hard in this like evangelical direction okay and then as far as this is the gray area so in 1991, H.W. Bush assembled a global coalition to eject Iraqi invaders from Kuwait. That's the Gulf War. Um, so this was one where he actually did bring together a lot of different countries. It was a really limited action. And he made the decision not to move on to Baghdad afterwards. Well, didn't Saddam Hussein want to kill him? Yeah. So or tried to kill him? I I don't know. But like there there was basically a moment where it was like I, the Iraq war could have happened in 19... 19- 91 where if he like continued to go into Baghdad but he said no so that was like considered a successful military action but it set the stage for the Iraq war that we know and love today yes (laughs) um because a lot of people in his son's government W hired a bunch of his dad's old people 
Yeah, like a bunch of them were in and it was kind of like, they were almost like, we want to finish the job. It was sort of like a reboot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a pretty intense reboot. Yes. Like, I would like say. Like Sabrina the Teenage Witch and then you have the chilling adventures exactly. of the Iraq yes. War. Yes. H.W. Yeah. Bush was Sabrina the Teenage Witch and W. Bush is the chilling adventures. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's a very yeah. good analogy. Okay. So the memorial service will be held at 11 a.m. on Wednesday and President Trump has declared a, day, a national day of mourning, which is more mm-hmm. than he has done for like anyone else. Yes. Um, and okay. Trump is going to this one. So the Clintons, the Obamas, the Trumps are all going to be there. This I don't know how he's going to handle not right. being the center of attention for like an hour. This is the first funeral. Like he finally got invited to a funeral. He's so been sad. not invited to every single one. That is so fucked up. But okay. <laughs> That's where we are. Um, and then he will lie in repose at St. Martin's Episcopal Church in Houston from Wednesday to Thursday. And then he will be buried at the George H.W. Bush Presidential Library in Texas, where I believe Barbara Bush is also buried. Reunited. So okay. that's that. OK, our second story is a little bit of an, you know, an international one. Yes. So there have been some pretty crazy protests in Paris um, this weekend, which turned into France's worst urban riot in a decade, injuring 133 people, including 23 police officers. Yes, and like 412 people were arrested. That's a lot. It's a lot of arrests. Yeah. Protesters torched cars, smashed windows, looted stores, and vandalized the Arc de Triomphe, which you may remember from like the time you took a picture of it in Paris <laughs> yeah. when yeah. you were abroad. Exactly. Um, um, that's huge. Yeah. That they've uh, like. Yeah. That's like a really like. This is the craziest thing since monument. Bastille Day. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, well, and that's I mean, the thing. you know, Paris, protests in Paris tend to turn up pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah. And this one, I mean, I read, so I read an article in the New York Times that was, bas- it was really, really heartbreaking, honestly. It was basically talking about how, like, these people in sort of, like, the forgotten areas of France that are not, like, the rich people, obviously, in the major cities, they literally are so poor that they cannot make it to the end of any month like they're they're out of paychecks like 10 days before the end of the month like yeah. they're getting paid like 1500 euros a month the whole, they're literally starving like these are just people who are like blue collar jobs yes um, and that's why so the demonstrators you might see these protests uh referred to as the yellow vest protests. yes they all wear these yellow be- vests which are like high visibility and they also kind of signify like we are a working class, class. protest and it all started because of these recent hikes on fuel which is part of the government's proposed carbon tax so that they can like stay in the Paris Accords and all this stuff so it's a part of their environmental agenda but they basically moved forward with these gas hikes without also including any relief for right I mean I mean this is the argument people make against like environment more strong environmental policies but basically this is coming at the expense of the people who are already suffering the most like literally starving yeah so the protests have you know they're real they're they don't like Macron because they say he like only represents the rich yes um and and yeah, I mean, this is, I guess, an ongoing thing. I don't think that these people are going to stop protesting because they're not getting any richer. No. And so, like, this has become a huge issue for Macron, who now, after this happened, he's decided, like, okay, we'll meet with the Yellow Vest, like, leaders of that movement. But a new poll showed that 71% of the 1,000 respondents had no confidence in Macron, which yeah. is, like, really bad i mean that why why would they they're these like they're just like working class people who cannot survive which is like really 
really sad. And um, his uh, his party has an election in May of this upcoming year. So this is already like looking really bad for that election. And I just feel like like you were saying, this story kind of shows like the environmental policy. I mean, it is complicated and we have to find a way to do it. Mm-hmm. where obviously like we do need to wean off of gas and all of these things and like put like not use carbon but like how do we do it in a way where it doesn't devastate people who are already devastated right and it's also really dangerous just thinking globally because the opposition to macron's party is the far right which was it was marine le pen in the last yeah. election and they're kind of like in the in the bucket of like the Nigel Farage and the Boris Johnsons in Britain. And it sort of brings in this like far right populist anti-immigrant, you know, let's say that anti-environmental policy, all that stuff. Let's say all these people vote and they're mobilized against Macron. And then you get a far right leader in France. That would be very, very problematic for everyone else <laughs> and all of this is really interesting because if you listen to our bonus episode with citizens climate lobbies flannery winchester she, the bill that she talks about that they're pushing would put a fee on carbon that like companies have to pay right and then that fee gets distributed to the american people right so I mean, it was like like i feel like that is one way that this would be helpful if it's like, okay, well we're going to tax like the carbon, but then we redistribute that wealth to the people who are right. I mean, let's, let's just think it wasn't individual. It's not like me, Sammy fish, but I got, Sammy eating meat like that is fucking over our whole global, global climate. It's really these large companies that are, that are having a huge environmental impact through their production and through basically everything that they do that's hurting people. Yeah. So they're t- they're really the people who should suffer. It shouldn't be these like random rural people in France who are taking the brunt of the environmental policy. It yes. should be the businesses whose profits are already insane and then they use like tax evasion methods to not pay taxes. Exactly. So this is really the people who should suffer. So Macron, if... I, he, this is something maybe he should consider. I mean, I'm no expert, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know how laws happen in France. I yeah. truly know nothing, but uh, it just it did make me think about that because I was like, wow, I wonder if that would be like a potential solution to this. Yes. So obviously, we'll be continuing to watch what's going on in Paris. Right. Um. Should we move on to one more thing? Yes. Okay. So I have one, and then you have one. Yes. This is really quick. Uh. So. There's like shady shit going on in Wisconsin right now. So Scott Walker lost his reelection campaign to Tony Evers. And now Republicans in Wisconsin have basically called a lame duck session to try to pass all these bills that will make it harder for the Democratic governor to like do government like to govern. They did this in North Carolina a while back. So. They worked on the proposal in secret for weeks, discussing portions of it until it was like leaked to reporters. Then basically what this would do is they want to um, allow Republican legislative leaders to intervene in court cases and hire their own attorneys when state laws are challenged in court, replacing the attorney general. They want to switch who can approve withdrawing from lawsuits from the governor Uh, From the governor to the legislative budget committee, which would prevent Evers from ordering uh, the government to remove Wisconsin from lawsuits challenging the ACA. So basically, like Wisconsin challenged the ACA. And right now, if Evers takes over, he could be like, we're not going to move forward with this suit anymore. But they want to make it so he cannot do that. They want to ensure that Evers appointees can't control the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation. 
which is the state's private public hybrid agency in charge of job creation. They want to require state health officials to implement a federal waiver allowing Wisconsin to require childless adults to work to receive health insurance through the Badger Care Plus program for the poor. And it prevent this legislation prevents Evers from seeking to withdraw the waiver. So he can't change that. He wants to require Evers to get permission from the legislature before he can ban guns in the state capitol. And they want to make it harder for Evers to enact alternative rules that implement state laws. And they also want to move uh, the 2020 presidential primary from April to March because it would help a conservative Wisconsin Supreme Court justice win his reelection. So it's just true shadiness. Scrambling to try to undo the will of the people. Like the people of Wisconsin voted... They will stop at nothing so that they don't have to fulfill what the people voted for. It's so fucked up. Scott Walker did so much. He was like such a heavy handed governor. He did so many like sweeping giant things. And now as soon as the Democrats in they're like, oh, actually, the governor shouldn't have any of those powers. It's bullshit. Yeah. So if you're in Wisconsin, call your representatives. Yes, please do. Especially Wisconsin students. Yeah. There you are. Do it. Okay. My one more thing is a story about this guy, Jeffrey Epstein, which I think is not. It, this is just the beginning of it. I have a feeling this will explode later on because yeah. it involves many, many rich and powerful people, some of whom are current officials in our government. Yeah. Okay, so basically this guy, Jeffrey Epstein, he's a billionaire. He's a money manager who lives in Palm Beach. And he has a penchant for underage girls as mm-hmm. young as like 13. Yeah. And I think we call that being a pedophile. Yes. But, but when you're a billionaire, they let it's you a do pen- it. When, yeah. When it's a pe- when it's when when you're a billionaire, it's a penchant for young girls. Yes. <laughs> right. Like even like that's the way like journalists. Yeah. Put it. No, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, so basically this guy Epstein has, you know, he had been in lawsuits for his like it's kind of like he has a almost like a, a kennel of underage girls yeah. that like kind of do things to him. And a he, trafficking ring. Yes. Perhaps? A trafficking <laughs> ring. It's not run out of a pizza shop though. Um, and basically he was, he had like a court case where he was found guilty in, I think it was like 2008. Yeah. Um, and basically this guy, Alexander Acosta, who was, who right now Trump appointed him for, I don't remember. Secretary of labor, secretary of labor. Okay. Here's, here's what happened in 2008. Alexander Acosta was the, was the, uh, U S attorney Miami was the, yeah, was the attorney for Miami, which is where this case that Epstein was found guilty in was taking place. Alan Dershowitz, who has become a major Trump defender on TV Mm -hmm. was Jeffrey Epstein's lawyer. He wrote an article about how he can't hang out in um, Martha's Vineyard anymore because everyone's mean to him. Poor you. Okay. <laughs> like, sorry. He's like, I, I'm not invited Go to, to the any- Hamptons. I know. He's like, I'm not invited to any more events yeah. on Martha's Vineyard. Everyone's yeah. mean to me. Right. <laughs> okay. So, so Alan Dershowitz was defending Jeffrey Epstein. Alan Dershowitz was also, no- was also apparently allegedly part of these like underage sex ring mm-hmm. parties that Jeffrey Epstein would throw, as was bill clinton and donald trump Mm -hmm. so a lot of high powered people are involved in these like sex rings okay so alan dershowitz basically made a deal with alex acosta to limit jeffrey epstein's jail time to 13 months Mm -hmm. and to like let him out on like to basically like let him out very freely so that he could like work and stuff. Yeah. He was allowed to work from home 12 hours a day. What and is then jail go then? Yeah. And like, he had his own private wing of the jail. And he was, he was only accused of like, 
prostitution related charges, but he was like he was accused of, or he was only convicted of prostitution related charges, but he was accused of sexually abusing dozens of underage girls at his mansion between 2001 and 2006. Yeah. And when and when authorities were investigating him, he assembled a team of private investigators to dig up dirt on the girls who had accused him like these like 16 year olds. Yeah. And basically they were basically Alan Dershowitz, also Ken Starr. Yeah, Star was Report. involved. It's just so fuck. Yeah, he. So they basically convinced Alex Acosta to get, give him like a really low sentence. And now he's like out, even though he's a sex offender. It doesn't really matter for him because like he's really rich. So yeah. it doesn't really affect him. And yeah. So and he has ties to Bill Clinton and Donald Trump, which sounds I mean, right about right. Yeah. <laughs> it's what so we fucked know up that, to these, be. that these people, even Democrats are like just part of all this like seediness it's so gross like these people are just disgusting i know i mean it shows you that like once you get into those levels of wealth and power the party stuff actually does melt away and it's really just about being really really wealthy and having a lot of power yeah and maintaining it yeah Okay, so this is an ongoing story. I have a feeling this is not the last we're going to hear no, about certainly it. Certainly not. Yeah, I listened to an anti lawyer episode about Jeffrey Epstein. Ooh. So it's really interesting. That is exciting. Oh, and also another thing about Alexander Acosta is his name has been floated as a replacement for Jeff Sessions. But apparently that's not going to happen, yeah. I heard. But yeah. you never know. Yeah, well, now this article came out, and so it made it look worse. Yes. Okay, guys, this has been. An episode chock full of just a variety info. of topics and info. Uh, we'll let you guys digest that now. Uh, <laughs> until the end of Democracy, I'm Elise Morales. I'm Sammy Fishbine. And this was the Betches Sup Podcast. Bye. Betches.